0: Hi, I'm Marianne Gramlich, and welcome to Make Your Message Right, the podcast where we embrace the power of R-I-G-H-T, respect, integrity, gratitude, hope, and transformation. Join me, an inspiring guest, as we share stories of failures and successes, reflecting on how living the five values can empower and influence others. So grab your favorite beverage and join in a journey of self-reflection and growth. Together, we'll explore the power of living the values of R-I-G-H-T, respect, integrity, gratitude, hope, and transformation, and how these five values can help you make your message right. Welcome to episode 10 of Make Your Message Right, a podcast created to help you make your message resonate truthfully and authentically. My guest today is Brent Pullman, CEO of Midwest Laboratories. He is the author of Leaders Look Within, Own Your Heart to Live a Life of Gratitude. Now, Brent's going to talk a little bit about his company and then how he broke through the challenges he views becoming a better leader. Hi, Brent.
1: Hi, Marion. Uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is great.
0: You want to go into more depth about your journey and work and...
1: Yeah, let me, let me go through a little bit of history and I'll, I'll make it really short, but I think it's important because it, it really brings in together everything that's really about me and where I came from. And I'll start basically when we moved to Omaha in 1975. That's when my My father came with another person. He started Midwest Laboratories at 120th and Center behind Krispy Kreme here in Omaha. And uh, (laughs) we started in two offices, quickly grew to one building, then it became two buildings. And then we moved out to where we currently are located on B Street, 136th and B here in Omaha, uh, between the old skate days and Oakview Mall. And over that time, I grew up in the business as a 15-year-old working after school, even through college, coming back on summers and vacations and working there. And then when I graduated from college, uh, something really unique happened. My dad just said, you know what? It's time for you to go professionally and develop your own skill set. I don't want you coming back to the company now until you have experienced and gained some professional experience yourself. And that was really important. I think that was really a good calling because I think if I were to come back right away after college, I would have always wondered what's on the outside. And so uh, I I went through um, several major corporations like Mutual of Omaha, HDR, Arthur Anderson, And then in 2005, I came back to the lab. There was an opportunity to come back uh, in marketing. And so 2005, I came back and that's what really started my whole, how, what's going to happen with myself and this family business? And what are the opportunities going to be here? And then in 2016, uh, my dad and his two partners, his two partners retired. So it was just my dad and him and uh, the two of us. And there were some unique things that we really had to work on together. It was a fun time, but it was also a transitional time. And I learned a lot about myself and that's when really the transition started was that it's in 2016 and and that's when 2016 that's when things came kind of uh, that whole transition piece really happened and then in 2020 during COVID my My dad had a lot of underlying conditions, and at the age of 80, he did retire. And so from 2020 to the present, there's been a lot of other changes that really happened during that time frame, too. So I would say through all that, our company, again, it does analytical testing. We grew from just agriculture to human food testing and animal food testing. All those three things together, the company has grown and flourished. It flourished under my dad, and I continued to build on his legacy there. That's a quick background of kind of where I came from and how I got into the business. And so now I really want to build on my father's legacy. I'm grateful for him that he saw something in me to want me to come back again. I want to continue building as a second generation older on that.
0: I think your dad was very insightful into pushing you out the door to really understand yourself first and start to form your own leadership skills because then he could see what they were and how you could grow and come back and even grow the company even more. That's a good leap of
1: faith. I think it was tremendous, the plan that he had involved there. And through that, he learned quite a bit. And that's the premise of the book was how do we become as leaders? What have we seen in our past? How do we reconcile Maybe there's some differences there. What do we own and how do we put all that together to become an effective leader?
0: I thought it was interesting because in the book you talk about is when you were always so busy and you just oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And you were working yourself to the grave because you always thought you had to have the hands-on. And if you talk about your partners, that she just sat you down and said, no, you need to trust me to handle this.
1: Yeah. And I think that was a really, that was a huge lesson for me. Uh, I'll never forget that day. It was actually, uh, our leadership team came to me and just said, we need you out of the day-to-day. And what I had always remembered, even when we were working together is my father was, I mean, this was his baby. He was in the hands-on, he was in it every single day up until he left. And I think that's why he had a, such a hard time of trying to leave because he thought something was going to happen there. So when the team came to me and said that, they were coming to me and saying, hey, if you trust us with the operations, we need you, the visionary, to show us what we need. How are we going to keep this thing growing? And at the time we were rapidly growing with the number of people and we were quickly running out of the space and we needed uh, basically a new campus. I was looking at buildings close to us, but that wasn't even even fitting our needs. So we had to even think bigger than that. And if I stayed in the day-to-day, I wasn't spending time on those things, those important things that really needed to be addressed uh, from a strategic and a visionary standpoint.
0: I think it was nice that your leadership team felt comfortable enough to come to you and say, Brent, we, we need to take a step back. For you because we need to do our jobs and we need you to keep that vision of growth for our company it was a win-win for both of you but i think a lot of times leaders of a company forget to be grateful that they have the trust of their team that they felt comfortable enough saying something to you and that you understood yeah, they have a point and I need to take a step back to do something else. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I think so. Yes. Yeah. And and I think it was really, an, it was the culture and dynamics of the way the business was run. When my father ran it, I mean, he watched every penny. And so we were lean and mean. So there was yeah. no, there really wasn't time to do outside the operations, very little. People would do it on their off hours to develop new methods or uh, new projects or some visionary pieces, but we were pretty, we were very lean at 90 people. When we went through COVID and then as we started to grow, we realized we needed more. We just basically needed more people. So we went from 90 to now we almost have, I think close, just right under 300 employees. So that's a tremendous amount of people that you have to have. And when you're growing that fast, you realize quickly you can't do everything. Not everything is the most important thing for the day. And you really, um, To your point, you could become a roadblock as part of that. And that's what was happening is I was becoming a roadblock because they thought they had to run everything through me or I thought I needed to know everything. And the beauty of all of it that I saw is I actually, by trusting people, letting go and letting them run, do do what they needed to do, I know more about the company now than I ever did when I was in the day-to-day operations, which is me, which really got... I just could not believe that, but I did. It was really, and I still to this day, know more about what's happening in the company than when I was trying to do the day-to-day pieces because I was only seeing a little bit here and there all the time.
0: That makes sense because you've trusted other people to do their job and then they can give you the highlight and that makes you more comfortable to move on.
1: Exactly, exactly. No, it is. It's a really good, and it's a good and powerful time in the company. And I really do think... um, We've just experienced a number of these changes and it's continuing to, I didn't realize the, the importance of you just really have to have a big, a good culture and to have a really solid culture it takes a solid infrastructure with your, with your employees, your managers, your directors and consistency all the time. And you really have to work on those things. It's not all about the latest, the newest client or the latest, newest project. You, you've got to do the, all the works in between to make sure that everything comes off consistently. It
0: really is building those relationships within your own company to build them stronger. Because once those are strong, then it's going to naturally bleed out into your client base and such. Because if you care about your employees, you're going to care about your clients. Because it's just, it makes you're so grateful for them because those people are putting in the time to build your company. And When I read through your book, there's so much more family focus that you wrote about being healthy, being grateful.
1: Yeah. No, I would, I would, you have to take care of your employees first. I always say people first, but yes, your employees. And I feel a huge responsibility. The company has to do well because you are, it is the life source for these families and their kids and their dreams. Everybody, all employees should have dreams outside of work. We shouldn't, number one dream should not be to work all the time, but they need a means to do that. And if you can provide the means and protect that family and they can, again, flourish as a family, that's, again, what that responsibility is all about. And uh, yes, taking care of your employees first is is critical if you're going to serve your clients. Absolutely. That's how I always see it, those two.
0: There was one quote that I wanted to pull out of your book, and that's when you're leading your heart. And it's at the very end, because you said when the heart is open, it naturally goes towards people. Then you you mentioned that you faced a lot of struggles and such in the past, but it was beginning to think to lead with your heart that led you into more happiness and being calm. You want to elaborate on that?
1: Sure. I think for most of my life, I was highly reactive. Uh, when I say that, if um, someone came to me or if I always thought I was either protecting or I had to come up with the answer right away or, again, the working long hours and doing those things. I always wanted to do the right thing. I hit deadlines all the time. That was a goal, but I was highly reactive. If something stood in the way, I was going to let somebody know. Um, I didn't think it all of the way through. I just didn't have time for that. I just wanted, was really focused on goals. And I think by living so reactively that you really you do miss out on what's the best decision? You can make a lot of good decisions, but what's the best decision? And when you take time to really slow down, and that's where I think I was doing so much rationalizing in my head. I couldn't shut my brain off at night. It was taking a toll. But when you really think about it in your heart, then you can can take the power out of those things and you can really start to see what really is most important here. What's going to make the biggest impact? And The other component of that is is faith. I mean, you're not Mm going to have the answer to everything. And faith is, you can't reason faith. You you can't see the unseen. So it really just has to come from your heart. So that's really what led me to think and really believe that if I really, again, are concerned about this, I need to take a pause and really search my heart and see, I, I know if I do that first, I'll make better decisions in the end.
0: Well, and I think too, that you mentioned that there's the power of just praying and you just take the time to be still, pray silently or or however, to whatever religion you're in, but just to be calm and to reflect. And I think in your book, that was really impactful. And also with your LinkedIn posts.
1: Yeah, and it really started, uh, sadly to say, it took the death of my mom to realize that. Um, once mm-hmm. my mom died from cancer, day after, I just said, I need to be more intentional about my faith like she was. And that day, I didn't even know what I was asking for. let talk, talk about faith. I didn't even know what I was, but it, I said that prayer. And as part of my morning routine, I went on walks or runs. I just really thought about it. I spent some time just really thinking about the things. First off, it started as prayer. What are the things I need to pray for? And then it, really evolved into this, I get up every morning, I'm grateful for my breath every single day. And then it started this daily routine of writing down a lot of things. And some of the things I write down is like, I have to write down, what's my intention for the day? Uh, what are my top three tasks for the day? What am I grateful for each day? What was I uncomfortable with yesterday? That was a huge one for me. Because that one in particular, uh, whatever I'm uncomfortable with, By writing it down, I took the power of that and then I could decide, do I invest time in this or not? But all that whole process of going through a daily routine and setting that up really, uh, again, got me healthier because I was not in a healthy state. I couldn't make good decisions because I was so highly reactive. And by doing that, it turned my reactivity into more relationships. And then I'll never forget the day, it was that year that my mom passed away. My dad and I were in a conference And we walk into this coffee shop and on the wall, there's this prayer wall. And I looked at my dad and I said, I think mom's trying to tell us something. And so if you walk into our main office at Midwest Laboratories, there to the left is a prayer wall Where any employee, any visitor, any Mm -hmm. client can write down anything, any, any petition, anything they want prayed for. And there's a, and there's a few of us that just look at that list and every day just say a prayer for those items that are listed on the wall.
0: That's powerful. That I think more companies need,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: just anywhere. And I, I, what I like is the mantra in the morning you have a system that you're saying, praying for guidance, then to put that in your office, though, that is absolutely powerful,
1: yeah. And I think, and again, it it's so non evasive. I mean, who doesn't want to be prayed for? Who, if somebody has a concern, mm-hmm. they want to go to somewhere, it's not forced on anybody, they don't have to do it. But it's just there as an option. And I think that's what we need. Like you said, that's what we need in our com- in our country is that freedom to just express, hey, I'm not feeling so hot today or something, but I, knew, I may need some help. I don't know. I don't know the answer here or I've got this situation going on. I just need some place to write this down. And it's really been, I, I really think people have really taken advantage of that and just used that as a release or an outlet to help them through the different things.
0: Well, and it, it's sometimes that people need that. They don't want to share really what's going on. Maybe you've got a friend that just you haven't heard from for a while and you drop them a note just thinking of you. That can lift them up and it it's not a yeah. big expense or anything, but it just lets them know that somebody cares about them.
1: Now, I will say the other what that has led me to do is, again, I talked about this whole idea of becoming more relational. It's helped me see that in order for me to connect with employees, I need to do something. I can get better at that too, as well. I can build some self awareness. I used to. I talk about the reactivity a lot. I know, but if I'm in a room and three of the three of the five people or all of them say, "Hey, I think everybody in this room deserves a twenty percent raise." What do you think about that? My initial reactivity tone would have been, "What the heck are you guys talking about? Why are we <laughs> that?" That would have been my reactivity self. Today, they laugh at me because I would take this huge deep breath. You know, I'll just, I'll just. If I hear that, I'll take a huge deep breath. And they make fun of me because of it, and I'll just say, "All right, tell me more. Where's this coming from?" And there's a whole, and again, there's a whole difference in the way you really treat those types of items. And then you get to know. You 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 open the floor up to find out what's what's behind that. What why are they saying something like that? The other one I that has really been impactful for me is really calling people by their name. I don't know everybody's name. Three hundred people there. I'm still working on it. I'm really terrible. Sometimes I have to really work hard and I they tell me or I've seen people or I've seen them in the store and they'll say my name and I like, I can't remember your name. But when you can't, when you can't call somebody by their name, it really makes it personal. Or if you see someone, you just really have stopped. You really opened the conversation and said, hey, you matter. Tell me more or, you know, good morning, you know, Bob, Sue, Mark, whoever. It just makes it a little more personal than, yeah, good morning. Hey, you. You know, And I've really learned the power of that too. So I think these things are really, again, really critical of, again, leading from the heart. That's where this all comes from. And I'm sure there's science behind it. I'm sure there's numbers, but it really starts in your heart, first and foremost, I think.
0: I think it does as well, because if you can start by feeling grateful, it changes your outlook. That is powerful as well because it acknowledges them
1: and what I did last year was I think through COVID that's the one bad thing with the masks and we were bringing on so many people I lost track of people their facial expressions which is hard I'm still playing catch up from that but last year I met with every department and we would get in a group of 10 up to 30 people in a room one question I'll never forget I kept asking each group was tell me something about yourself that nobody in this room knows about you I was amazed. I mean, first off, I learned that we could probably have another zoo in this city because everybody has pets. All our young people have a lot of pets. But some people really opened up and shared really highly personal things. Or some even went so far as to show some vulnerability or things that from their past they didn't like, which really, I think, opened my eyes to say that, wow, these people really feel safe here that they would share this with this larger group. I wasn't looking for that. I was just looking for something Again, very lighthearted, but some people really read that and really took the opportunity to share something really deep and personal. So A couple even cried as they were sharing these things. So I thought that was really interesting when I went through that process.
0: I think that shows that you're a very caring employer because you took the time to meet with the smaller group of 10, 12, 30 people. That shows that you wanted to get to know them and that you wanted to hear them. I think that's the most important thing. You actually wanted to hear what they had to say. The fact that you took the time to meet with the people and listen to them, that is so important. Level up your leadership game. Your three simple self-care steps to level up your leadership. I like that you're talking about eating healthy and exercising. That is something i think people forget about that to become a good leader, you have to feel good within. To feel good within, you need to exercise. You need to eat the fuel that you need, the foods that help you. Not those wonderful, delicious, (laughs) sugar-heavy desserts. Yes. Maybe once in a while. Yes. How is your book going? I'm just, I'm really intrigued with that.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I think the timing of it came out last May. And then in the summer, I had two daughters get married and one in August. So I just, I kind of did a pause. I thought, you know, I'm going to revisit it come the next year. And the fall is usually our busiest time of the year uh, with testing. So I thought, I'm just going to wait to, to bring on the new year. I have done a lot, a number of numerous podcasts, done some articles, but I am now getting out there and talking more about the book. At the same time with this book, I also, like if you notice, I don't give any names of my my family members, my kids. And I really do. I'm glad you said it. You said it earlier that family is a huge part of being an effective leader. I have started book number two on to build on this topic. I think leaders look within, but I also think that we need that infrastructure in place and family is one of them. And then we absolutely can win. We can break through. There's a number of ways that leaders do win. I provide a number of examples on that, but I'm just, I'm probably about a third to a fourth done in that range of the second book. But I think it's a good follow-up to this because I think there's, yes, you can look in, but now you what are the results of all this? Like you said, what are the results of staying healthy and all that? That's huge. You got to bring your A game. You got to be sharp all the time. The reason you do is because, yeah, you're going to see things happen that our companies can flourish. One of the Mm -hmm. examples, we talked about delegating one of the great wins from last year. And you know about healthcare costs. We work with our broker. And what did we hear? You need to increase your deductibles and you need to pass the cost on to your employees. Well that's really a bad message to send out to your employees. You said isn't there anything else we could do? There's ah, like, I think that's really how you're going to manage this. Well, that doesn't get at the crux of these costs continuing to go up. So this year, we can't we we partnered with a local company and we are bringing medical staff on site to our 300 employees times a week. We have a medical office. All of our employees get primary care visits for free. We pay that up front, and we want to drive the healthcare costs down because a primary care visit in insurance is anywhere from $200 to $300 for the company. We're self-insured and we cover our employees' medical expenses. And then you go to the urgent care, which most of our employees do, or a hospital emergency room. And now you're talking $1,000, $5,000. By doing this, we're, we're bringing not only from a cost standpoint, but our prevention Standpoint. It is a really cool message, but it really took some out of the box thinking from our leaders and the willingness to kind of think differently about how how do we address this problem. So I'm excited about that. There's a lot of good things that go into making really good decisions that you make every day. And again, being able to relate to people and family definitely is family is definitely a part of that.
0: And that's why I applaud your dad, because he turned around, and said, no, Brent, you need to go out. You need to test your own wings. You need to go out and find yourself and then be able to bring you back. So that's very powerful that your dad had that insight.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was. It was just a really good pact that we kind of both decided that we needed to look at. I'll never, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to come back. And he kind of do that. No, that was good. It was definitely good good decision at the time no but i think there's some truth in that too even this knee i mean if this happened six years ago i'm having surgery the next day i could do I, my mind I, my total reactiveness i would have not even given a second cha- chance me staying still for five weeks now nah, and healing no i don't want to do that give me the surgery or something but i think the fact that it's surgery and then opening it up i asked the sir hey can i still work out can I do upper body? And he had to think about it. Yeah. As long as you don't touch your knee. I said, okay, good. I mean, you it's that being wanting to stay healthy, even though you've got maybe a little bit of a setback. And I did not know you, you could sit down and do cardio. I just, I would have never even looked at these routines on the YouTube sitting there. And it's a whole different way, but I've learned so much over the last few weeks. First, I learned how weak I was. And it's really, it really gets to you when you say you're lifting five pound dumbbells over your head and you're used to lifting something five or six times that. But yeah, it's a, they're hard. These workouts are tough. Really eye-opening to me that you can't, there's other options out there. Always a better option. As a leader, you can, you can think outside the box and really, hey, I think there's a way to do this. I can still do something here and make a difference. Well,
0: and I think that's where, when you mentioned YouTube, that's also important. There's so much information there on the YouTube. You do have to be careful at times, but with the exercises, the upper cardio, yeah, they have yoga for the adults or chair yoga. You know, there's always a different way to look at something and to move forward.
1: Right, and I would have never done that. if it It really did take my knee going down, or I would probably still have never even looked, wouldn't even give it another thought.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to talk about, Brent?
1: The only thing I would just probably end on is say that you can find leadership at any stage. It's not something you're born with. You can learn it, but it really takes owning yourself. You really have to, you have to own it and want it yourself. And for years, you know, I thought working hard, that's the way you moved up. Or if you want to be a leader, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to own your own career, your, your own business. I'd say go do it, but learn about yourself. Know what you're good at, know what you're weak at, build a team around that but do it. You can absolutely do it, but you got to own it. You got, nobody's going to do it for you. You got to find it for yourself.
0: Brent, I could not have said that any better. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I look forward to following you on LinkedIn some more and also reading your second book.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much, Marianne. It's been a pleasure.
0: joining me on this journey of self-reflection and growth. Remember the power of right, R-I-G-H-T, respect, integrity, gratitude, hope, and transformation, and how these five values can make a positive impact on you and the lives of others. Until next time, I'm Marian Gramlich, encouraging you to make your message right. Please subscribe, rate and review.